0: Bismillah alhamdulillah. Salatu salam ana rasulillah. Wala alihi wa sahbihi wa manwala. Surah tu tawbah. I think our last session we did Surah al anfal. Yeah? Surah tu tawbah. This is a Madani Surah. Meaning a Surah that was revealed in, in Medina. <coughs> it is a special Surah because it is the only Surah that does not begin with Bismillah rahman rahim Surah tu tawbah is the only Surah in the Quran which does not begin with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Now, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim There's a bit of, you know, debate among scholars. Is it part of every surah? Some say that it is part of only Suratul Fatiha. Some say it is part of every surah. Some say it is part of no surah other than Suratul Naml where it is actually within the context. And so Suratul Tawbah doesn't have Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in its beginning. Suratul Naml has Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim in the middle, right? And so there is still 114 Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim uh, in the Qur'an. Just that Surah At-Tawbah. The reason Surah At-Tawbah doesn't have, um, because it begins with very stern verses, right? It breaks all uh, treaty and all obligation between uh, Ras- allah, rasulullah and the disbelievers of Quraysh, and so it is not befitting to start that surah with Bismillahir Rahim, the most kind the most merciful because further on allah will say whenever you find the mushrikeen after these four months have passed then they are all fair game um, in the sense that um, because they broke the treaty okay so they become an open enemy and there is a declaration of war Against them, and that all arrangements, all agreements, have come to an end. So, you know, you can't start that surah with Bismillah rahman rahim So, what happens is, if you're reading uh, Suratul Anfal and you come to Ulaika ba'dhum wa ulul ar-Rahmi ba'dhum aula bi ba'dum fi kitabillah, Inna Allaha bi kulli shay'in alim baraatum min Allahu wa Rasulhi ila al min al This is how you will not say Bismillah. If you are starting, you'll say, <laughs> you will say, "A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim." Baraatum min Allahi wa Rasulhi illa Laddi. You will not say Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim here. Yeah, just for the beginning of Surah Taubah. Let's say, for example, if I started reading here, I wanted to start reading from I don't know verse number twenty-three. I will say, "A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim." Bismillah rahman who is the arsala that sent his Rasool with the Okay. So that Bismillah ar-Rahman rahim is only specific to the beginning of the surah.
1: So after the first
0: ayah? Yeah, after the first ayah, you can read it. Yeah. No problem. If you
1: read by mistake?
0: Huh? Yeah. Mistake, then you have to make Tawbah, because it's Surah to Tawbah. <laughs> 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 no, by mistake it doesn't matter. What about the, we have read, so we don't know, now we know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No no no. <laughs> Allah will forgive, inshallah. Allah will forgive. Actually, some Ulama have considered Anfal and Tawbah the same surah because of this. They said it is the same surah actually. There's no two surahs here. It's only one surah. Anfal and tawbah are both considered one because of there not been Bismillah Rahman Rahim in between.
1: That's
0: fine, that's fine, yeah. But Bismillahir Rahman Rahim is is a, a Sunnah of recitation. Huh? It's recommended uh, to say "Audhu Billah" and Bismillah generally. Whatever you're going to read from, yeah. it's recommended. So this is known as Surah al-Tawbah, um, the, the the Surah of Repentance. It is also known as Surah al baraah f- Freedom of Obligation as we're going to see. Allah says, Freedom from all obligations is declared from Allah and His Messenger to those mushrikeen with whom you made a treaty. What treaty is this? What
1: treaty?
0: The treaty of peace that Rasulullah made in year six. This is being revealed in year nine. When the, the treaty was broken by Quraysh, um, and they waged war against um, a tribe that was, well, some of the Quraysh waged war against uh, a, a tribe that was um, in the protection of Rasulullah. So they didn't directly target Rasulullah, but they, tar- they targeted a tribe that was Muslim and under the protection of Rasulullah. And so, wa- and, and this was done at night. Um, and so the person came to Rasulullah wa from the tribe. He was a poet, and he said, "Yeah, uh, you know, in 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 poetry, he sought protection from Rasulullah wa And he said, "Look, you know, we we are Muslim, and we are under your your protection. And that Quraysh have come, and they have killed people in prayer. Mm-hmm. Actually, the people who were killed, they were praying sorry. So Rasulullah wa said uh, that. You know do not worry you you will be avenged um, so yeah so this is a baraa. Um, the reason I am mentioning this because Allah says uh, أشهر, so travel freely for four months Allah gave them four months Quraysh yeah Quraysh had four months where they can travel if they pass by Medina or whatever, then you know, they will not be attacked. But after four months, travel in the, for four months throughout the land, but know that you cannot escape from the punishment of Allah, and Allah will disgrace the believers. And a declaration from Allah and His Messenger to mankind on the greatest day uh, of Hajj, which is the 10th of the Hijjah, that Allah is free from all obligations to the Mushrikeen, and so is his messenger. Which mushrikeen? The ones that you made a treaty with.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. <coughs> so if you repent, it is better for you. But if you turn away, then know that you cannot escape the punishment of Allah and give uh, tidings of a painful torment to those who disbelieve. Allah then says, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ عَاهَدْتُمْ مِنَ Except those of the mushrikeen, with whom you have a treaty and who have not subsequently failed you in aught nor have supported anyone against you so fulfill their treaty to them to the end of their term. So this is not the reason Allah is revealing this specifically to the Mushrikeen of Quraysh. This has to be understood. Why? Because further on Allah says the others, if you have a treaty with any other mushrikeen that are not Quraysh and they've not broken their treaty with you the terms and they have not helped anyone against you then Allah says mm-hmm. fulfill the treaty to them to the end of their term Allah loves the, the pious now the, re- the 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 important verse i think we've touched about on this before in some other halaqa but it's important to to touch on. Allah says, فَإِذَا الْحُرُمِ When the sacred months have passed, الْمُشْرِكِينَ حَيْثُ Then kill the mushrikeen wherever you find them, and capture them, and besiege them, and lie in wait for them in every ambush. Allah is saying, what? Well, once the sacred months are over, and Allah gave them four months. Once that is over, and that four months is so that the information goes to every individual and everyone is aware, right? And uh, it happened to be in the al Haram, uh, in the sacred month. So when those sacred months are finished, and we know that there are three: the Riqqa, the Hija, and Muharram. Allah says, when Muharram is over, then. Kill the mushrikeen wherever you find them, capture them, besiege them, and, light in w- and lie in wait for them in every ambush. Four commands. This is why it is not befitting for the surah to start with what? Bismillahir Rahmanir rahim But this has been misunderstood by some to say this is a declaration of war against all mushrikeen of the world until the day of Qiyamah. This goes against the context of the verses. No. This is a declaration of war against any mushrikeen that make themselves an enemy to you allah says you do this yeah, but you can't go outside and start killing people and say well you are mushrikeen the verse says it's not the sacred months that's it it's over <laughs> this is what has been understood by people who have these extreme views yeah they've taken they've singled out this verse to mean that you know you can kill any mushrik. That's it. It's over. You know. That is not the case. Um, this applies only to the Mushrikeen of Mecca. Actually, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala very clearly in the beginning we said with the Mushrikeen with whom you have made a treaty. And those are Quraysh. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh, Why has Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded this? When in the last surah, surah al-Anfal, Allah says If they want to make peace treaty, then accept it from them. Right? وَإِنْ جَلَحُوا لِي فَجْنَحْ لَهَا Allah says, if they seek peace, then accept peace from them and depend on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So how can it be that in that surah Allah is saying, if they want peace, then accept it from them. And here Allah is saying, kill them, and ambush them, and besiege them, and imprison them. How how can it be? That is a general, Surah Al-Anfal is what? That is a general command to Rasulullah and to the Muslim Ummah. Whenever the enemy wants to come and make an agreement and peace treaty, then you accept it from them. If they propose it, you accept it. That is general. But when they break the treaty, then you don't give them. Why? Yeah, we, the believer is not a fool. <laughs> Once you've broken it, that's it. You know, then you don't make any more. Allah says, How can there be a covenant with Allah and His Messenger for the Mushrikeen? Except those with whom you made the covenant near Al Masjid Al Haram. So long as they are true to you. And stand true, to them, stand true to them. Verily, Allah loves Al-Muttaqeen. And then he gives you the reason why Allah has uh, declared this freedom of obligation. He says, how can there be such a covenant with them? How can there be a treaty with them? That when you are overpowered by them, they regard not the ties, either the ties of kinship, nor the covenant with you. If they are greater in number, if they are stronger, then they forget about the treaty. Hmm? But they w- when they are in a position of weakness, they say, Oh, we have an agreement with you. And this is what happened. When Abu Sufyan realized that Rasulullah and he came running to Medina, he came running to Medina when this uh, attack happened on the people who were under the protection of Rasulullah. He came to Medina running. And he went and he spoke with uh, spoke with Ali and he spoke with Uthman and no one no one no no one even answered him. I said And so he and then he came to where you know Abu Sufyan was the leader of Quraysh. His daughter, Ummu Habiba, is married to Raslallahu. She's married to Rasulallah. So he comes to Ummu Habiba radiallahu He enters Her home so she greets him and he goes to sit And there is a mat laid on the floor you know the houses of Rasulullah. It was very simple furniture So before he went she went and pulled it away from underneath him And he said I don't understand what what is this She said this is the mat on which Rasulullah Rasul sits it is not befitting for you to sit on it. <laughs> and he went, actually, he went out to Rasulullah. Rasulullah, every time he came from one side, Rasulullah, Rasulullah turned away from him. Because this is, you know, you are given uh, 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 an opportunity. And, and he was actually saying that, Ya Muhammad, we are not at fault for this. We do not know the people who did this. It was not done through my command. And I am here to extend the, the peace treaty by a further 10 years. did not accept it Why? Because people were killed. Muslims were killed. And they were killed in a state of prayer. And in what should have been a state of, of peace. So Allah says, When they are is, is in, in a state of strength and if they are overpowering you or if they perceive that they are going to win you then they don't think about the treaty and they don't think about the ties of kinship that you have with them so here what this is Quraysh is not talking about the mushrik who's living in uk or who's living in india or this is talking specifically about mm. and then allah says also but if they violate their oaths after their covenant, and attack your religion with disproval and criticism, then you should fight the leaders of disbelief. Innahum la For surely their oaths are nothing to them, so that they may stop evil actions. Meaning that, when a mushrik has made an agreement with you, and they've broken that agreement, then you should realize that this person actually will not stand by their oath ever. And so the only way that they can ever be peace with that person is, if that person accepts Islam. And these verses say it. Allah says, if they repent, and they repent meaning they repent from their shirk, meaning they become Muslim. prayer, They become your brothers in, in faith and there is no more enmity. And no more uh, um, fighting is no longer permissible. Then Allah <laughs> further he says will you not fight a, pe- a people who have violated their oaths and intended to expel the messenger while they did attack you first. So you see this is specific about Quraysh because it is Quraysh that drove Rasulullah <laughs> out. It is Quraysh who broke the oath with Rasulullah Allah says do you fear them Allah has more right that you should fear him if you are believers fight against them so that Allah will punish them by your hands and disgrace them and give you victory over them and heal the breasts of a believing people and remove the anger from the believing people Right? the anger of those who who were attacked at night right وَيَتُوبَ اللَّهُ عَلَى مَنْ يَشَاءَ And Allah accept the repentance of whom He wills. Allah is all-knowing, all-wise. And then other... Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said مَا كَانَ لِلْمُشْرِكِينَ أَن يَعْمَرُوا مَسَاجِدَ اللَّهِ شَاهِدِينَ عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ بِالْكُفْرِ It is not for mushrikeen to maintain the mosques of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala i.e. Uh, while they witness against themselves of disbelief because obviously Mecca was in the uh, uh, in, in the control of the mushrikeen and so they were looking after the the Haram right maintaining the Haram and cleaning the Haram and you know providing water and food to the to the hajjis and what have you this was the the, the job of Quraysh. but when these verses were revealed the mushrikeen were what they are no longer allowed to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deprived them of that. Whilst you are mushrik, you are not to serve the Kaaba. I said, This is the house of Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Actually, uh, further on, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, After the conquest of Mecca, Allah, wa ta'ala, after the revelation of these verses, He said, Mushrikeen are najis, they are impure. This is metaphorically impure, not physically impure. Whilst they are mushrik, they are not permitted to enter the haram. And this is why to this day, through this verse, a mushrik is not permitted to enter the haram. They can enter other masajid; they're welcome. But the haram, Allah says, it is exclusive for the believers. Then Allah says, إِنَّمَا يَعْمَرُوا مَسَاجِدِ اللَّهِ The mosques of Allah shall be maintained only by those who believe in Allah and the last day, perform salah and give zakah and fear none but Allah. It is they who are on true guidance. And so if a person maintains a relationship with the masjid, it is hoped that that person is going to be guided by Allah and they are a true believer. hadith of Rasulullah if you see a person who is regularly attending the masjid, then testify to him being a believer. The reason he's attending the masjid is because of his love for Allah. Also uh, an important verse in this Surah At-Tawbah. Allah says Truly Allah has given you victory on many battlefields. In Badr they were given uh, uh, victory. In Uhud was initial victory until they uh, broke the command of Rasulullah sallam. In Khandak, you know, victory. In Khaybar, victory. You know, m- many of the, these battles. So Allah says He gave you many victories. وَيَوْمَ حُنَيْنِ and on on, d- on the day of Hunayn when you rejoice at your great number but it availed you nothing. Battle of Hunayn happened when um, you know after the Sulh al-Hudaybiyah and even the, the w- what happened after Sulhul al-Hudaybiyah you have it's a turning point and now a lot of tribes are coming and accepting Islam and a lot of people are accepting Islam. When the battle of Hunayn happens there is you know Sahaba have come out in uh, great numbers, right but some of them are new to Islam, right? some of these Bedouin tribes that had you know newly accepted islam and and as they they're they're marching forward, um, statements were made that you know today nobody can beat us. So many in number. Look, they said, in Badr there was only 313 and we were not beaten. Imagine. So it started with what? Hunain started with? With defeat. Or what? Could have become a defeat. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala turned it around. So Allah says, on the day of Hunain, when you rejoice at your great number. Allah is saying what? You know, it is not through your number. Actually we... We missed a, a verse in Surah Al-Anfal, which is a very important <coughs> verse. <coughs> mm. Allah says... Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. O oh Prophet, urge the believers to fight in order to protect Islam... And the word of Allah and Medina. If there are twenty steadfast person amongst you, they will overcome two hundred. Right. And if there are one hundred, they will overcome one thousand. Which meant that Sahaba were not permitted to leave the battlefield if the enemy was less than this equation. Right. So if there is a hundred Sahaba, there is a thousand. Allah says, I will. I will support you, and I will over. You will overcome them. But then further, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala then said, "Now Allah has lightened your task; He's made it easier for you." If there are a hundred, they, they will overcome two hundred, If there are a thousand, they will overcome two thousand. Okay. So Allah is saying here that you do not overcome your enemy through your numbers or through your weapons or your strength but rather through your obedience to allah and his messenger this is how the believer allah says he did not say if you are allowed a lot if you are well prepared he said if you are believers if you're true believers then you will be given victory if you are not true believers then it doesn't
1: matter Think
0: they should know also when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. Uh, mm. so yeah. We uh, uh, no. so have helped you in many, in. We have helped in No, have helped you in many. In many, have helped you in In many, in. you were uh, in small number. Right? And seemingly, uh, you, are, you, you seemed weak to the mushrikeen. But Allah taala <laughs> strengthened you through the angels that He sent. So all you who believe, Allah says, all you who believe verily the mushrikeen are najas impure. So let them not come near al-masjid al-haram after this year. And if you fear poverty, Allah will enrich you if He wills. Out of his bounty surely Allah is all-knowing all-wise Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. because uh, Quraysh benefited greatly by Mecca the, the, the economy of Mecca was like it is now <laughs> uh, yeah it, it, it was based on Hajj and so people coming for Hajj they're gonna come they're gonna trade and spend their wealth and what have you and the people of Mecca would live from of, of that uh, they would make profit from that so Allah is saying to the to Sahaba That don't let the mushrikeen come and don't fear poverty because provision is with me. And so by the mushrikeen not coming, we're not talking only about the Quraysh who are there. Because they're obviously living in Mecca. Allah is preventing any of the Arab tribes who are mushrik from traveling to Mecca for hajj. Only the Muslim tribes can come to Mecca and perform hajj. So that's going to put a strain on the on the finance of Quraysh, uh, the economy of Quraysh. So Allah says, you know, don't fear poverty. Allah is going to enrich you from his bounties. And Allah did, and he continues to do so. Basically, it
1: does work in two ways also. Because the Arab they, even they are not Muslim, but they love with the house yes so now they've been prevented not to come so
0: they have no choice whether to accept Islam yeah. if you want to go down mm-hmm. so it is yes so it was a, a, a motivating factor because yes mm-hmm. the, the, the Arabs were you know had had a special love for the for the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and so now they will they will realize that only by becoming Muslim can I go and visit the house of of Allah mm. <coughs> um, also, in this Surah, Surah At-Tawbah, Allah SWT warns those who do not pay zakat. Uh, and it goes, uh, O you who believe, verily there are many of the Jewish rabbis and the Christian monks who devour the wealth of mankind in falsehood and hin- hinder people from the way of Allah. And then he says, وَالَّذِينَ يَكْرِزُونَ الذَّهَبَ وَالْفِضَّةِ And those who hold up gold and silver and spend not... In the way of Allah announced to them a painful punishment on the day when that which they hoarded will be heated in the fire of hell and it will be branded it will be branded and with it will be branded their foreheads their flanks and their backs this is the treasure which you hoarded for yourselves now taste of what you used to hoard and so anybody who holds um, wealth hoarding is what not paying zakah anyone who pays zakah will not be considered as hoarding by sharia right and so Allah as he says those who stack up gold and silver and money and do not pay its zakah and what is commanded by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to the poor and needy then on the day of Qiyamah they will be punished by what by that wealth That gold, that silver will be heated And their foreheads, their sides and their backs will be burned Ulema say the reason for this Why the forehead? Because the the person who doesn't give zakah When he is approached by somebody who is poor He frowns, And then, or he turns to the side Or he turns his back to that person Either way, Allah wa ta'ala will. This is why Allah will punish them because the the zakat is what it is money that belongs to the poor and destitute, yeah. and so they will be punished. So, yes. <coughs> is
1: there
0: an obligation over and above zakat? Oh, uh, over and above zakat, the obligation is only to those who who are, um, you know, your. Your spouse, your children, your parents, uh, yeah. So those who you are responsible for to spend on financially. Other than that, there is no obligation, unless the state imposes something. Yeah. Um, th- th- this is known from the hadith that the the, the Bedouin who came to Rasulullah and he said. Uh, what are the commandments arasol uh, said that there is a yearly zakat which you have to pay he said do i have to pay anything more he said no unless you voluntarily uh, unless you vo- voluntarily want to give sadaqa then but more than that it's not an obligation on a person to give more than zakat zakat is uh, um, the obligation and uh, um, Fulfilling the responsibility financial responsibility of those who are under your care. So your wife comes number one Your children come number two Your parents come number three And then siblings number four and then you know, who are in need and and it goes like so uh, like, So if a person let's say an ulama go into detail about this This is important for us to know as as men or you know breadwinners If you have only enough to survive yourself you are under no obligation to anyone if you have only enough for yourself and one more person unless for example you are married and you have one child (laughs) automatically what would you do as a parent you would give the child sharia says you don't have to give the child you have to give the wife the wife is next This is why allah has put the obligation on the wife to be obedient to the husband so it's both ways you have a responsibility and she has a responsibility right and so after you look after your need then it is your wife after your wife it is your children and so a person cannot deprive his children of the bare necessities in order to look after the needs of his Parents although emotionally that's what you probably would do, right? You say okay My parents are very old and they, they have nobody to look after them. My children are young. They can you know, they can maybe um, And 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 so somebody might say oh the hadith about the person who uh, You know the, the three people from Bani israel who were caught in the cave uh, and, and they made dua and one of them was the the man who had brought milk for uh, uh, his parents, uh, for, for his family members and he stood by the bedside of his parents until they woke up and drank and his children were crying. And this person had enough for his parents and his children. He prioritized his parents in giving them first, but he did not deprive his children. You understand? And so this often happens, people complain of this. I've had sisters who have complained to me that my husband doesn't doesn't spend, doesn't fulfill the basic needs of the family, and he's sending money to his parents. Which is good. It's good that you help your parents, but first you have to fulfill. And so that is the order. You have responsibility to yourself. If you don't have anything more, you're not responsible for anybody else. Okay. Your duty is to go out and seek rizq. You can't just sit around but if you don't if you don't have then you you know you're not responsible for rizq Allah is responsible for risk you're responsible to make an effort and so responsible for yourself number one then comes your wife then comes your children then comes your parents then comes your siblings yeah and so any brothers and sisters that are in in need If you have if you are able to fulfill the necessity of all of these people So your say for example your your immediate family and then your parents or maybe your parents are not alive Anything that is more should go to fulfilling the needs of your siblings who are under your care, right? And so let's say for example if they are not mature uh, they are underage or um, It is a a sister uh, like this so you are not allowed to give zakat to anybody who you are financially responsible for anybody above you anybody below you that is definite so you can't give zakat to your to your wife you can't give it to your children you can't give it to your parents and you can't give it to your siblings if your siblings are under your care As if, for example somebody's parents pass away And he takes his siblings under his care they're young and they are not mature yet and he's looking after them you can't give them zakat if your sibling is not under your care then you can give them zakat you know like uh, your uh, i know yeah yeah your sister is married your your brother is married and they're living and they're working but they don't have enough they have a debt or they have some health condition or something then you can give actually giving to them is better so giving to those who are closest to you Next of uh, closest to you in, 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 in blood relation uh, is actually uh, better to give zakah to them um, So that they do not have to take their need out uh, to strangers no. yeah.
1: But so. Imam, yes, uh, regarding to brother's question you know, mm. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless me with uh, a wealth and Then I pay the zakat And I have still more Extra Extra Now also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala encourage us to elevate ourselves to darayat. Yes. And that desire of become a min al It give me responsibility to, to give more.
0: Yes, absolutely. Apart yeah, from yeah. the Dara. Is that correct? Yeah. But yes, absolutely. But the 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 question is, will a person be punished for not giving more? No. no. So they will absolutely they will be rewarded, uh, greatly rewarded for giving more. Um, but they will not be. Yeah, they will not be punished for not doing so. Yes, brother, you had a... I think the brother had a question or comment. Yeah, um, for the child when it's not under your responsibility. Your child is always under yeah. your responsibility. He's married, you know, and have child. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, no, yeah. You, can, you can give. You can give. Yeah. So you, you're saying like, let's say for example, my son is, you know, he's got his family and he's working but he's got like a 10,000 pound debt that he can't pay and Yeah, I'm not responsible for that so I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to give that yeah. And also the wife is allowed to give, so the husband is not allowed to give his wife Because she's financially under him, but the wife is allowed to give her zakat to her husband if he is in need All the ulama say it's better to give it out, yeah, it's better, but she is permitted to do so, yes Hypothetical,
1: yeah.
0: You're talking about zakat. Yeah. You, you will remove from Zakat you uh, mm-hmm. amount of the of the amount of the amount of the amount of the pounds. the amount is the amount of the amount of the 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 amount of the 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 amount the 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 amount of of the mortgage for one year not the entire t- let's say for example a person's income is you know they have they have fifty thousand pound saving not okay they've got fifty thousand pounds sitting there in their account their mortgage is three thousand three hundred thousand pound they can't say well I'm not gonna pay the account until I finish paying my mortgage is three hundred thousand thousand pound. no you can't do that what you will what you will remove from that fifty thousand is let's say for example your mortgage payments for a whole year is 15,000 and so you'll only pay zakat on the 35,000 that you have. 15,000 you are, because that is a debt that you have to, to pay. Okay, so it works on a yearly, yearly agreement because uh, you pay monthly. You know, you're not expected to pay all of your mortgage in, in one go. By women? Gold, gold, yeah. by women yeah. yeah according to the Hanafi uh, opinion she has to pay zakat on it the woman has to pay zakat on Does it, it. Any limitation uh, 86 grams of gold anything more than that 86 point something yeah, about 86 of gold. Yeah. she has to pay zakat on it if she doesn't then her husband can pay zakat on it if if they both don't have the cash then some of that gold should be sold so that the zakat is paid, and so when it is sold, then zakat has to be paid. Um, I'm not entirely sure about the others. Uh, Imam Malik holds that if a woman wears it at least once a year, then it's not, it's considered that not zakatable. At least once a year. The others, I don't know what they're, they're but uh, I'm aware of these two opinions. I think there is another one that says, you know. Uh, in, even if she doesn't wear it once a year she doesn't have to pay zakat and I'm not entirely sure about Imam Ahmad, I'm not entirely sure then the surah closes with verses about the munafiqeen um, you know it speaks about the the, the munafiqin and how um, they themselves were not supporting the cause uh, of Islam but they're also trying to stop others from from going out. For example, uh, Allah says um, They say to Sahaba that do not come out in, in jihad because it is very hot. Allah says to them yeah, Hellfire will be even more uh, hot in another verse when she لا على من عند رسول Yes, that munafiqeen would uh, Encourage people to withhold And not spend uh, On the sahaba And not give To, um, uh, to Rasulullah And so munafiqin were a real problem To Rasulullah you know, Because you had the enemy Outside and then the enemy Inside Which were the Jews And then, in addition to that, you had the enemy of munafiqeen. But Allah says that this is the rule of Allah. Every messenger had his challenges. Uh, uh, That every messenger, Allah uh, placed challenges uh, for him in the form of uh, enemies whether those, those enemies were of shayateen or human. And actually by that, the, the struggle that the, the, the messenger goes through, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala elevates his status, right? All of the difficulty and the struggle that Sahaba went through with Rasulullah Allah elevated. And also Allah is telling us that, uh, he's teaching us that you will also have munafiqeen amongst you and they will always be. And actually having munafiqin around you is not a reason to give up altogether. Yeah. And so, you know, I've had this discussion with a number of people, sometimes they come, they stop coming to the masjid, something happens, <laughs> you know, between him and a brother, they come, stop coming to the masjid, or something happens between you and the, let's say for example, the, the people who are running the masjid, or the imam of the masjid, something, they stop, stop coming to the masjid. The excuse is what shaitan says to them, why do you come to the masjid, brother? He says, there's munafiqeen in the masjid. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Masjid of Rasulullah <laughs> had the biggest munafiqin. <laughs> we cannot be as big munafiqeen as, <laughs> as the munafiqin Abdullah ibn Ubay ibn Salul, the leader of the munafiqeen, who were truly kuffar in their hearts. The munafiqeen that we have within us, they are what? Munafiqeen by action. They are not, they are Muslim, they are believers. But they have weakness and they do something wrong. And, and so Allah is teaching us how to behave with the enemy within and the enemy without also an important verse so a lot a lot about the Munafiqeen and they are really been described um, for example hypocrite men and women are one from another meaning they are what helping one another they enjoin <coughs> al-munkar <laughs> they enjoin evil and they forbid righteousness. And they withhold. Meaning that they do not spend. They have forgotten Allah, so Allah has forgotten them. What does it mean, Allah has forgotten them? This is metaphor. Right? It's important to, un- to understand this, that Allah speaks with us in human terms. Allah doesn't forget <laughs> nothing is hidden from him nothing Allah says your, your God does not forget your Lord does not forget so what does this mean Allah deals with them like he has forgotten them when you forget about someone what do you do you forget about them So. You, huh? So, they will not be guided, this is number one, they will not have mercy, and they will remain in punishment, forgotten. Allah knows they are there, He is aware of them, but it is like they have been forgotten. Yeah. No yes, no value. Yeah. This
1: this explains the other ayah. Uh,
0: yeah, Allah, الله الله
1: yes, yes,
0: also. Yes, also that they forgot about Allah so Allah caused them to forget about themselves but then after after uh, uh, mentioning the munafiqin and then Allah says Allah has promised the hypocrite men and women and the disbelievers the fire of hell meaning they are both what partners in that the way they are partners in this world they work with each other right against the believers Allah subhanahu will punish them together jahannam khalidina fiha Abiding therein eternally, he hasbuhum, It will suffice them. They are cursed by Allah, and they have a lasting punishment. But then Allah says, huh? "Well, the nifaq in belief, it's actually the reason for it is wanting to protect one's life and to benefit." Worldly benefit.
1: Self interest.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is why the Munafiqeen became. They apparently. Look, Abdullah ibn uh, Ubayy ibn Salul, he's the leader of the Munafiqeen. The reason he became Muslim is everybody became Muslim. And so he feared for himself. And so he became Muslim just to protect his life uh, and protect his wealth. Um, and then to be able to hurt the Muslims inside. from inside, which will be more
1: <coughs> effective. So is it possible that people who are born in Muslim families can actually have Nifaq in
0: that? Yes, you can have Nifaq. A person who's born Muslim can have Nifaq if truly inside his heart he does not believe, but he's just keeping up appearances just for, for the sake of his parents, for example, or for the sake of the community. But inside he doesn't truly believe. It's possible yeah, Definitely possible but it's you know, It will be less I I guess but nifaq by By action is obviously um, Saying something and doing something else Right, so anyone who is persistent on sin and sins openly is actually a, a Munafiq and the Rasulullah described When he speaks, he lies. Most of his speeches lie. Uh, When he promises, he breaks the promise. And when he is entrusted, he breaks the trust. And according to another uh, version, when he fights, he becomes vulgar. When he argues. The reason of all of these is the weakness in belief in the afterlife. So... that person's iman is very weak. That's why they can lie, they can break promise, they can break uh, the trust, and, and they can be vulgar in, in their fighting. Ya Allah, five minutes left. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after describing the munafiqeen, he says, believing men and women are protectors and helpers of one another. They enjoin what is good, they forbid what is evil, they establish salah. They give zakah, they obey Allah and His Messenger. Allah will have His mercy on them. In Allah, Aziz and Hakim, Allah is almighty all-wise. So the opposite. call to good, forbid evil, establish prayer, give zakah. Munafikin, call to evil, forbid good, and withhold. They don't pay. And in another verse, Allah says, they do pray, but they only mention Allah very little, and they pray in a state of laziness, only to show. Allah has promised the believing men and women gardens under which rivers flow to dwell therein forever, beautiful mansions in the gardens of Adn. But the greatest bliss is the good pleasure of Allah. Meaning, Allah says, I will give you paradise. But the greatest reward is actually the announcement of my pleasure that is the supreme success we ask Allah to grant us more understanding um, I know we are falling behind but inshallah hopefully what we will do is uh, have some sort of Quran Halaqa that continues throughout the year instead of it stopping in the month of Ramadan I'm